0: This is episode O, Our Relationship with Our Children, with Rachel Nelson. Feeling connected is a basic human need, as vital as air, water, and food. I'm here to talk about bridging the gap between ourselves, our friends and family, life partners, and anyone we come in contact with so we can more fully experience connection. Hello! I hope you had a great Christmas with your family. I did for sure, and... I have been so looking forward to sharing this interview with you. I had an interview with Rachel Nelson from the podcast 3 and 30, so we'll just head right into the interview. Well, hello, I'm here with Rachel Nelson. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you today? I'm great. Yeah, like I mentioned a minute ago, just getting over colds at our house, I feel like I feel better, but my voice sounds worse, so it's kind of funny how that works, but... Yeah, so Rachel is the host of the podcast three and thirty takeaways from moms. And yeah, would you introduce yourself to my listeners a little bit?
1: Yes. So I'm Rachel. I live in Haley, Idaho, which is a resort ski resort area. We've gotten like two feet of snow in the last week, so or two weeks. So it's awesome. We love it. Um, and I have a podcast three and thirty takeaways for moms, which is three actionable takeaways in every 30-minute episode. And, um, I have two children, 11 and eight, and they're my miracle babies. Noah's adopted and Sally was conceived with IVF. And so it was a journey to become a mom and I'm just trying to do my best to love it and to figure out how to manage it all. And I share what I'm learning in my podcast.
0: Awesome. So what made you decide to start a podcast? So after my kids
1: were born, I had, you know really fought to become a mother and so i thought that i was going to just love every minute of it i gave up my career as a high school english teacher to be home with them and i found that i was really unfulfilled without being able to teach um i missed that part of myself and so i got involved doing some writing and editing for a website called power of moms just as like a passion outlet as a mm-hmm. stay at home mom And ended up recording a couple of episodes for their podcast as a guest and helping them kind of produce those. And the host of their show told me, you're really good at this. You should start your own. And that kind of got my wheels turning. And I so five years ago now, I started 3 and 30. And it's been such a great fit for me to be able to continue using my love and passion for teaching, but also to be able to be home with my kids. So it's a great fit.
0: Yeah, well, I have to say this is such a dream. I never thought anything like this would happen. So I'm, I'm so grateful to have you as a guest on my podcast. And I appreciate you doing this. It's like a dream right now. I feel like meeting you or having this podcast because I feel like, you know, you become friends with the people that you listen to of their podcasts. And I'm kind of the same way. I'm really into English. And I love all your things with alliteration. So I feel like I connect with you on that level. So this season, I change topics every season and I'm talking about relationships. And so I figured it would be a great time to talk about relationships with our children and have you on the podcast. One thing I was wondering is, you know, whether you have one child or five children, they take all your time. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. how do you fit in time for thinking and reflection? I feel like there's all these great ideas out there of how to slow down and how to, you know, just really take time to think but with three kids it's like so busy I just feel like there's no way to do that would you say that motherhood it's just kind of a time in the season and maybe those things come later or do you have to figure out how to just kind of do it along the way
1: yeah I definitely think you have to figure out how to do it along the way because motherhood is a long season. So if you're like, "Oh, Oh, I'll make time to reflect and slow down and make sense of my life at some point, like that could be 20 years, you know, with, within motherhood. So certainly in some seasons of motherhood, it's harder to find that time to do those things versus others. So my kids are in school full day now. And that's so that gives me a lot of time to do my work and to have some of that slower pace. Not that my life feels slow because it doesn't. But when my kids were little, and they were with me 24 seven, it was much harder to come by that time. But you have to figure out how to fit it in. And sometimes that might include having hiring a babysitter to come or doing a friend swap with somebody where you have their kids one day and they have yours another day or asking your partner when they can help so that you can find that time. So you might say like, Hey, I really need some time to journal, reflect, think about my motherhood, what night this week would be best for me to go and and for you to do bedtime on your own. Um, And I always tell women ask for support, not permission. Mm -hmm. So the way that you phrase that isn't saying like, can I, it's saying I'm going to, I need to. And so what works best with your schedule and sort of working together as a team to make sure that you're getting that soul care time, that reflection time, because you have to have it at every season. Otherwise you slowly start to lose yourself. And that is of no benefit to anyone in your family.
0: It's true. Yeah. I appreciate that advice because I feel like motherhood can be so suffocating and it just kind of layers on itself. If you don't take time to unwind and do that, like you mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I love your reflexive of gold journal for those who don't know, it's a three-year journal where you're able to write down a, a little snippet from your day that was meaningful in motherhood so that you can reflect over time. And so I've started incorporating that practice and <laughs> sometimes I get like three days behind, but I'm able to like go back and write. And I know you say it's okay if you miss a day, but that's been important to me to make that a priority and do that.
1: Yeah. And that's a great example of just a a little habit. So maybe you don't have an hour, two hours every day to do that kind of reflection, but, but five minutes at the end of the day and you write in your flexible journal is better than nothing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where I'm getting caught up is that I have this expectation that I want to take, all this time to reflect and I feel like it would take a year to do what I actually want to do, you know, and I just have to be okay with the little things and that it'll add up and it's more than nothing. So, yes. And then, so I met you at Pinner's conference and we talked about doing things with your children that you actually like to do. And for some reason that was just so groundbreaking to me. It was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't have to, you know, sit here and dislike all this role play that I don't actually enjoy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. For sure. I feel like as moms, we think
1: sometimes it would be selfish of us to sort of steer the play towards what we like to do, but it's really not because when you're engaged and you are enjoying it, they're going to have a more fulfilling play experience with you, relationship with you. And it's important that you, you are introducing yourself to your kids in a way. So you're showing them like this is what I love. And I'm going to bring you into what I love. And it's okay if you say, no, I'm not going to do that type of wild play. Like you can do that with your siblings. You can do that with your dad. If you have a parenting partner, um, and sort of directing it to what you like is totally fine. It's good for your kids to get to know you in that way.
0: Yeah. I listened to your most recent episode with the grandparents and it was cute how the grandmother would reward her grandkids for knowing the things that she was interested in. So it's true. They, they need to know you as a person as well. I was trying to find a quote that I'd heard and it kind of goes along with this as well. It said something along the lines of parenting classes are great, but I need to know how to be a tugboat when I don't feel like being a tugboat. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's true. I feel like if we don't do things that give us Joy in motherhood, then it'll become a drag and something that weighs us down instead of lifts us up. Yeah, for sure. So, how have you built relationships with your children over time? So, I think one of the
1: best things I've tried to do to build relationships with my kids is to talk to them as my friends.
0: Hmm.
1: So, I sometimes think love them like their parent, talk to them like their friend. And I just feel like when we can't when we get into the like mom mode, nag mode, like always giving orders, commands, a certain tone of voice, a certain like nobody wants to be around that, including your kids. You know, it's just it's it becomes such a strained relationship in a way, you know, versus talking to them the way you would your friends That includes talking to them about things you're interested in, talking to them about what's going on in your life, laughing with them about jokes or, you know, my kids are getting older and they have a lot more personality and interests and some of their stuff doesn't interest me, but I've realized that in a friendship, it's important to be interested in what the other person likes. It can't just be a total one-way street in friendships. And so- My son loves Minecraft. It's completely mind numbing to me, but I've (laughs) learned that he loves it when I sit down and play for a few minutes with him or let him tell me about his creation and show him that he's my friend, that I care about him in that way. And I am still his parent. I don't. That's why I add that first part about love them like their parent, because I never want it to be like, oh, I'm just their friend and we just have fun together because as a parent, I want them to know that I'm going to have boundaries in place, healthy boundaries in place for them, that I'm going to have expectations for them. But I can even tell them those things in a way, like I would talk to a friend instead of in like a domineering, condescending, you're the worst kind of tone or attitude, um, because nobody would want to be around that long-term. And I want my kids to be, a- want to be around me long-term. I want them to really value their relationship with me and to think of me
0: as one of their greatest friends as they grow older. Yeah. And then what about with your daughter? Uh, I currently only have sons, so uh, I don't know what that's like to have a relationship with a daughter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same. It's just whatever she's interested in. I try to show interest in, I have kind of a cute, funny story. Um, When she was about two or three, she went through a phase where it was really hard to connect with her. She yeah. was so busy, so active. I didn't like none of the things she was really like into, I was into, It just felt hard. And I was talking to my counselor about that. And she said, well, what does she love? What does she like to do? And I said, I don't know. She's just like obsessed with Frozen and Elsa. Like that's all she talks about is Frozen mm-hmm. and, her El- and her Elsa costume. And my counselor said, maybe you should get an Elsa dress. Mm -hmm. And I like stopped and I'm like, for me, like an Elsa dress for me. And she was like, yes. And I just burst out laughing, thinking about me wearing an Elsa dress. (laughs) But I did, I ordered one and I like came out, I I was so excited. It was such a different thing that I'd ever done in my parenting that it kind of rejuvenated my like excitement and hope for parenting. And I remember I came out in the Elsa dress, I was so excited to see her reaction and she was like beside herself she thought it was the coolest thing and we would dance to let it go and I would be like laughing the whole time because it was so absurd that I was Mm -hmm. wearing a dress that it brought the like joy and laughter back into my life and so every few days or so she would ask for the Elsa dress and I would bring it out to sort of remind myself to try to be playful and fun and build that relationship with her and um, I think little things like that pay off over time. It's not like she's eight now. It's not like I'm still being asked to put on the else address every day. I have not put on the else address in years. But for that for that moment in time, it was a really fun way to connect with her and show her that I was interested in the things that she was interested
0: in. Yeah, that's great. That is a cute story. I love that. So I've heard before too, that when children are acting out, they're seeking connection. And how have you seen that in play?
1: Um, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think that our reaction when our kids are acting out is often the opposite of connection. Like we want to get them away from us when they're acting out. And so you almost have to fight that urge and turn toward when you want to run away and like lean into that relationship. And I have a son, my son has a lot, he has a huge personality, but he also has some additional needs. And I learned early on that when he really is overstimulated and like loses it, he actually needs me to stay close to him because he, he is himself afraid of how big his emotions are, you know? And so He needs me to be there saying like, everything's going to be okay. And nothing that you feel is too big for me. I can handle it. And so I remember a few times when he was six or seven that he would rage and I would just lay in his bed while he was like, while he was sort of pacing around the room raging, but he knew that I was still there he was so angry. And I just say, when, if I'm here, if you need, like, if you need a snuggle or a hug, um, I'm right here. And at first he'd be like, no, you know, but I would just stay in the room and he would stomp around and rage about whatever boundary I just put in place. And then eventually the anger would leave and he would come and snuggle in with me. And sometimes just start crying. It was like, he needed that outlet first. And then all of the like, underneath that anger, the like, other emotions would come out and then he'd be more willing to talk to me and connect with me. And so it's not always easy as a parent to stay in connection with them when they're misbehaving. But I have found that it's, it seems like a very effective way to parent. And also it feels good to parent that way. Like it feels better than to always be punishing and sending to the room and coming up with consequences and all that to just, parent from a place of staying connection for me feels really good
0: yeah i agree we lived with my in-laws for about a year and it was so interesting to see kind of their parenting styles and our parenting styles and how things have kind of evolved over time with parenting and how that connection is so important um and i like what you said that you were just there on the bed and you it was that quiet reminder that you were there when he was ready mm-hmm so my four-year-old, like I said, we've been sick around here and he hasn't been feeling the best. So I feel like he's been more irritable and emotional and things like that. And so it's been kind of a tough season to see him going through that hard stuff just because he, he kind of is more snappy and things and I don't quite know how to handle it. So it's it's been interesting navigating that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like different circumstances change things too. Yeah. Um, do you have any... Favorite parenting quotes i I'm a huge quote collector, or just any quote that comes to mind that yeah, love,
1: yeah, I feel like one of my all time favorite parenting quotes um is the same heat that softens a carrot, hardens an egg, hmm. and I shared that in my podcast recently. It was Clayton Christensen who I read that in one of his books, and i you have to stop and think about it for a second, so let me say it again. The same heat that softens a carrot hardens an egg. And I think that what that means from a parenting perspective is you have to know your kids individually and know what is going to work for them in helping to mold them and helping to inspire them to become the best version of themselves they can be. As parents, you can't just decide, these are my rules. This is how I'm going to parent all of my kids, period, the end. Because some kids are carrots and some kids are eggs. And so for some kids, if you turn the heat up, you have a lot of expectations. You have a lot of rules. They really rise to the occasion and it's great for them. And they are, they do well with that kind of structure. I'd say that's more like neurotypical kids. I think a lot of these sort of more old school parenting techniques, they work with a neurotypical child. But then if you have children that have any sort of additional, like, neurodiversities, extra needs, sensory needs, any sort of trauma in their past. There's all these factors that when you turn the heat up, it just, they, they melt down literally Mm. like they can't, they can't handle that same type of parenting and it hardens them and it hardens your relationship with them. I've seen that with my two, because my son who has some additional needs, he's the, he's the egg. He gets, I can't parent him with the same firmness that I can my daughter. Whereas with my daughter, if I am if I set a firm expectation, she pretty much follows, like toes the line and does it. She's a pretty typical, you know, a pretty typical case. And I've just had to learn by parenting these two different kids that it's okay to parent them a little bit differently as long as you're always keeping in mind their best interest. So I'm like, I can help Sally become the best person she can be by parenting a certain way. And I, but I have to do a little differently with Noah and Noah is adopted. He has a lot of, you know, he does have some additional needs, both like genetically things that he inherited from his birth parents that are different temperamentally than I am, but also adoption in and of itself is a trauma, which I don't think that I realized when I adopted Noah, but there's there's a huge loss there that he was adopted at birth, but there's a huge loss there. And I need to be aware of like he his physio his physiology may always be a little bit different because he didn't have his birth mother's heartbeat and voice and all those things that newborn babies really thrive on, right? You know, after they're born. This is all things I learned later. And I'm like, it's okay. He's going to be okay. But I just need to know that he's going to have heightened reactions. He's going, it's, it's just not going to be the same experience as it is with my daughter. And I can love them and parent them differently, but with the common denominator being this deep love for them and wanting to help them be the best that they can be in how I parent them.
0: Yeah, that's so good. It's true. One size doesn't fit all we're also nuanced as people. And so that makes sense in our relationships with our children and parenting differently. So I like that reminder. Thank you. Uh, And what came to mind when you said the quote was with life too, you know, my podcast is called A is for adversity. So regardless of the season, um, it's always through the lens of adversity and how that shapes our character. And so some experiences, we could let them soften us or we could let them make us hard and bitter and you know, resistant, but it, it just depends on how we're perceiving things or how we can change our thoughts around what's happening or our circumstances outside of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, how can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast?
1: Yeah, so you can just find 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms on any podcast app, and I've been doing it for five years. So there's a lot of episodes on there. You can pretty much scroll and find the titles that jump out to you as what would be helpful to you right now in your current season of motherhood. And would love, I'd love to have you listen.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm making my way through your episodes. I It's like every time I find a new podcast, I have to listen to all of them no matter what, you know, and so I was making my way through a couple different ones. And now it's like, I'm I'm just listening to yours because that's just what I like to do.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, there's a lot of hours of content there, so good luck. Tell yes, me where I right. get all the way through it. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> to summarize what we talked about in the interview, make time for reflection in your motherhood by asking for support. Two, it's okay to steer play in the direction you find enjoyable. Three. Build relationships with your children by being their friend. What are their interests? What do they care about? How can you show a genuine curiosity in what they value? Four, acting out is often a cry for connection. Turn towards instead of away in those hard moments. Number five, the same heat that softens a carrot hardens an egg. Know your kids individually to understand how to best parent them and build a relationship with them. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you again next week.